somebody went back and statted Steve Nash's high fives and which, which is an insane, insane project to do, to watch all the games and, and to figure out how many high fives he had. But he had, I, I don't know what the number was, close to a hundred high fives a game. Um, and, you know, they talk about him always being the greatest teammate and, you know, his teams are always successful because that stuff matters. Um, and so I'd like to get to a point where we could, you know, break it down. Hey, you guys tight huddled this many times. Hey, you guys had a point of touch contact this many times. And here's the, here's the results um, because that stuff matters. As a coach, you kind of want to get your program to be kind of self-sustaining where you have built you've built a machine. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. Welcome in to episode number 60. As always, honored to have you here. Both my guests today and I are huge Seinfeld fans. And I remember a number of years ago, Jerry Seinfeld was in uh, some interview of some kind, and he was asked which episode of the show was his favorite. He kind of thought about it for a moment in quiet self-reflection, and then he said something along the lines of, we poured our hearts and souls into each and every episode, and so to pick any single episode as a favorite would just be impossible. I feel much the same, as I've had a chance to meet some of the most phenomenal people from all across the country, men and women who do so much good for the world. So episode 60 isn't my favorite episode, because they're all my favorites. It's impossible to have a favorite. But episode 60 is a special episode for me, because it features one of my closest friends. I'll introduce him in a moment, and I hope you enjoy it even half as much as I did. Either way, thanks for tuning in. Huge thank you to Will and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. They have been such a giant piece of the puzzle here, not just as a sponsor, but as a true partner. I'm convinced that nobody is a bigger supporter of coaches than Will Miner. I can't thank Netting Pros enough for what they do for coaches, what they do for programs, and especially what they do for the High School Coaches Club. In addition to the design aspect of facility improvement, netting professionals specialize in the fabrication and installation of custom netting, digital graphic wall padding, windscreen turf, turf protectors, benches, cubbies, and so much more. Obviously, baseball and softball are huge markets for them, but they have customers in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high-quality products and services to recreational, college, professional, and of course, high school facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. If you are looking to make any improvements, reach out to them first. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. They're improving programs one facility at a time. This podcast is also sponsored by Driveline Plus. High school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve. Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline training gear. Listeners of this podcast can get $25 off their first year of Driveline Plus by using the coupon code HSCC. That's the letters HSCC for $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to learn more. You can also find that link down in the show notes. As a Plus member myself for a number of years, I can't recommend it enough. In this episode, 
I'm joined by the man we in my house refer to as Uncle Eddie. His name is Alex Edwards, and the universe was kind enough to send the two of us wide-eyed freshmen to the same college, to the same dorm building, and to the same baseball team. Shout out to Pacific University, go Boxers, and Walter Hall up in Forest Grove, Oregon. He coached at the high school level, won a state championship, moved on to three different collegiate coaching stops before returning to the high school level. He's now in his first year as a head coach and doing it at a high school that is in its first year of existence. I am beyond excited to share this conversation with you. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 60 with Alex Edwards. All right, I'm joined by one of my best good friends, Alex Edwards. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jess. Thanks for having me today. <laughs> God, now people are going to be like, what's this Jess guy? Do people not know your real name? Probably not. I don't know. Hide behind this pseudonym. I'm good uh, with it. Well, for everyone who doesn't know, Max's real name is Jesse. And well, actually, for people who don't know, Jess and I were roommates uh, at Pacific University. So we first met, uh, played baseball together. And I don't know, I probably since sophomore year, freshman year of college, I just started calling you Jess and it stuck. I, uh, I, it's funny because uh, when I was talking to Brandy, my wife, obviously, uh, before we started recording earlier, she goes, are you going to, are you going to bring up the fact that you two used to do a radio show together? I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. duh, the Alan Mack show. Like I, it was uh, one, of the, one of the more fun parts of college, I think. We were ahead of our time, uh, way ahead of our time with that. And because I think they they might still be uh, stored somewhere within the systems of Pacific. But yeah, us and Dan having that radio show was a fantastic time. Oh, my gosh. It would have been we probably started that like 2008, which means that it was I don't know when podcast started, but it was probably it probably predated like the podcast system, at least on like Apple and Spotify and stuff like that. So we were. We were really ahead of our times. I, one of my favorite podcasts is three guys uh, who live in Austin. And I just think to myself, we did that 10 years earlier and now they make a career out of it. I mean, we, we would have come along a decade later. I mean, you and Dan <laughs> can have our own have our own media network and our own podcasts. And, you know, we could be coaching and being podcast guys. Yeah, making tons of money and uh, having a lot more free time than we do right now. What a shame. That's right. Yeah, we didn't know what we had sitting right in front of us all that time. <laughs> we lived in the moment. <laughs> we did. Uh, well, uh, so you're Alex Edwards. Obviously, you're the the new basketball coach at, at the uh, well, not the new. You're the first basketball coach at Nelson High School. Uh, but I don't want to start there. I want to go back, um, and I want you to take us down to your time as a, a bulldog down at West Albany, and just kind of give people a chance to hear what, what high school was like for you, especially for, uh, for athletics. All right. So taking, taking the jump way back. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. So I went to West Albany high school, uh, was a two sport athlete down there. Uh, growing up though, baseball was kind of my, um, it's what I enjoyed doing and basketball was always something that I did in the meantime before baseball season started. Um, and so, you know, off season, I would go to, to pitching camps, to, to clinics, um, and baseball was kind of the thing I wanted to do. Um, and then, you know, after, after high school, I went and played for two years at Pacific university. Um, so basketball was always just kind of something that I did, um, played for, for Dean Roberts at West Albany. He was a, a fantastic coach and an even better man. Uh, and, you know, once a month, 
uh, a group of guys that I went to high school with that we all play ball together. We get together for dinner and at least once a dinner, uh, a coach Rob story or a coach Rob saying comes up. Um, and you didn't really realize it at the time. Um, but the further you removed, you kind of realize, you know, he was a, he was a great man, uh, and a great basketball coach. And you kind of start to appreciate that more, the more you're removed from, from high school. Um, but that's, that's one of the things that a lot of coaches talk about on here too. When, when I've talked to them is that idea, especially as a coach, like you don't really know the impact you make and you might never know. And it could be, you know, 20 years down the road that somebody realizes it. Yeah. And I, you know, coach Rob hears this someday, um, you know, big Al just says, thanks. And, uh, and appreciate it, you know, and there's some, some things that now as a basketball coach that, that I wouldn't have done. Um, but there's a lot of things that, that I appreciate. Um, and he was kind of, he was kind of the reason I got into coaching. Um, and I, and I remember this, he, I remember this moment specifically was the, when I fell in love with basketball. Um, it was my senior year and there was only, uh, there's only two seniors on the team. So we went from a freshman team that won, uh, every single game, our freshman year, except for one, um, to having two seniors on the varsity team. And it, we were playing is the year we went down to five a, so we were playing Silverton at home and, uh, we got absolutely shellacked and we lost by 25 or 30. And after the game, coach Rob basically put the loss on Curtis and I, Curtis was the other captain. Uh, Curtis was three time MVP, uh, probably, probably a top 10 guy to ever come out of West Albany. Um, he was re- he was a really good basketball player. Uh, and so he put that loss on Curtis and I. And after that, it forced me to take a step back and realize kind of what it meant to uh, lead a young team, what it meant to care. Uh, And from then on, we started doing team dinners. We started practicing different. Uh, I wasn't going to let I wasn't going to let another moment like that happen. I wasn't going to go in the locker room and and have the the loss be put on us. and we won, we won six out of our last seven. We made the playoffs for the first time uh, in uh, five, six, seven years at West Albany. Uh, we played our first round game against Crook County. And uh, they had a guy, uh, David maybe, uh, his last name was Rear. He ended up going to uh, Northwest Nazarene in Idaho. He was a really good player. Um, they came to West Albany, the gym was packed. Uh, we ended up losing by a couple that game, but I just, I distinctly remember after the game, uh, the heartbreak and just the tears that Curtis and I shed together um, after that loss because it meant so much and it was uh, a special time. And and during that, and it wasn't even the first half of that senior season, it was, it was after that loss, I was like, wow, when you can piece things together, when you can start to execute, when you can start to become a family like we did, you know, we'd go over to the Miller's house for, for family dinner and, uh, you know, Reese's dad was a big time West Albany guy and, he, you know, playing South Albany, there's nothing better than beating the rebels, like getting that family camaraderie. Uh, you could, you could see the special things that would happen. So that's kind of when I, when I fell in love with the game of basketball, but it was, you know, as end of my senior season, I, baseball was still something that I really enjoyed uh, going into my senior year of baseball was sending out uh, letters, emails, going to camps for baseball, um, went up to Hillsborough stadium. <laughs> so before the, 
you probably remember this, Jess, before uh, Bafaro Stadium was made, they mm-hmm. played at Hillsborough Stadium. That's right. Uh, so me and my dad went up there. We watched the game, talked to Coach Bradley, talking about another coach that that take, it takes a few years to to see. Coach Bradley was a phenomenal coach and a phenomenal man. Um, holy cow. Like We can talk about that in a second, but he was – Coach Bradley is – what an incredible human being he was. Um, and, you know, you don't, you don't quite see that at the time, but, uh, yeah, he was – saw him a few years later when I was at Pacific, uh, for a basketball game. It's just couldn't, couldn't say enough things about him. Um, just talking to him was, was such a joy. Um, but went to Pacific played baseball for two years. Uh, that's where we met. That's where <laughs> we had some good times in the pitching circle playing flip, uh, with our other buddies, Dan and Duncan, uh, flip was always a fun game. And then, uh, Decided to take a step back uh, because I missed basketball, uh, you know, and there's some nostalgic things about that. And, you know, so I stopped playing baseball and I and I started practicing and trying out for basketball. Uh, went through that, went through the spring, summer, fall w- into the winter um, and made the basketball team there um, for multiple reasons. Uh, the main one mostly being getting mono, um, you know, got mono, was about ready to flunk out of out of school, uh, decided to, to stick, take a step back, uh, from the basketball team there. Um, but it was a good opportunity. It, it kind of let me see what the college game was like, what the expectations were like. Um, and so that was kind of my first experience with basketball at the, at the higher levels, uh, ended up transferring down to Western Oregon university where I finished my, my degree, um, at Western. But while I was down there, I sent out uh, letters. I sent out three letters to the head coach at Fall City, to the head coach at Dallas, and to the head coach at Central, uh, just asking for you know an opportunity to come join their staff in any capacity, um, you know, assistant head, freshman head coach, whatever it might be. Just love the opportunity to come uh, coach because I'd missed it. Uh, couldn't stop thinking about. Uh, the West Albany days couldn't stop thinking about my short time at Pacific. And so I sent out letters and Bob Macbeth at central high school, uh, called me and was like, Hey, why don't you come to practice? And, uh, I guess it was in the fall. So it was open gyms. So why don't you come to open gym and just watch and we'll talk and, you know, see if you want to join the staff. So go by there and, and meet Bob and such a cool guy. Um, and phenomenal coach. Uh, he, Took, took Central to three state titles in four years and winning two of them. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be a part of one of those. My second year Central uh, as an assistant coach, winning a state 4A state title, uh, getting to coach Tanner Omelette, who was one of the bas- best basketball players that that I've ever had the privilege of coaching. And that's, you know, that's you know, being at the Division One, Division Three high school levels. Tanner was amazing. Um, and that team just bought in and – uh, it was a fun, fun experience and a fun ride. And so then from there, it was my third year at Central and I found myself, uh, I was studying math at the time. Uh, you know, why? I don't know. I thought I wanted to be a, a high school math teacher. Uh, so studying math at the time, but I found myself drawing up plays during class instead of taking notes. And so I thought to myself, man, I'd really like to just try to do this. And so 
it was my third year. I was, I had like two classes left to finish my degree. I was on my victory lap, uh, my, my fifth year, uh, in college. Um, but I found myself just wanting to, to try that. So I would wake up and I was working part-time at Home Depot at the time. So either before I'd go to work at Home Depot, before I'd go to go to class, because I was only taking two at the time, I'd send out 10 letters a day. So I went through to all the colleges and universities in the states that I thought would be an awesome place to live. And I put down the coach's name and the address. And I sent out 10 letters a day uh, to all the coaches. And I had about 80 coaches on the list. And when I got to the bottom, I would just start again. And, you know, surprisingly, I didn't get very many responses back, uh, which is, you know, now having seen it, it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, especially in season. Um, but I got a call from UC Davis, uh, assistant coach down there, got my, got my letter and, and gave me a call and said, you know, we have, we have one, one GA or video coordinator right now, but I want to talk to coach and see if we can get a second one. Let's just be in touch and, and we'll see what happens. And I said, okay, that's cool. Um, and you know, just, you know, me pretty well. I am not one to, uh, I'm kind of quiet and reserved, uh, unless you really get to know me. Uh, then we, you know, then you can't shut me up, but I'm not one to kind of, <laughs> you know, reach out and kind of pester. But, you know, for some reason I, I felt like I needed to do that. So every couple of days I'd text the coach, Hey, have you heard from coach? Any updates? I'd send him a picture, uh, of the arena. Hey, how do I get, how can I be a part of this? Um, what can I do? Tell me what I need to do. So every few days I would just shoot him a text and for, for about two or three weeks, uh, we just were in communications. And then he, uh, he called me one day and said, yeah, you know, sorry, coach only wants to do one this year, but I really liked, you know, really liked your persistency. Uh, we'll keep your stuff on file and, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll connect next year. And so I thought that was it. And so it was, that was probably, that was probably April. Uh, and so then just time went by, I went back to sending more letters. Uh, thought I was going to go back to central, I was doing some spring league stuff there. And then it was late May, middle of May. Uh, I get a call from the director of basketball at Davis. And he said, the guy that came, guy that was supposed to come down, uh, couldn't agree on the the money situation, and the money situation was zero pay. It, <laughs> I, it was it was going to be on me, right? So I had to pay for my own room and board. I had to pay for. Uh, I, I wasn't going to get paid. Part of the agreement was I had to be enrolled in a grad school program, um, but it wasn't going to be at Davis. It had to be. I ended up doing it at Ohio U, um, getting my master's there. So it was all on me, and. So the guy before me was like, well, I can't do that. So I was like, heck yeah. Like I'll sleep in my car. I'll sleep in the locker room. I don't care where I need to sleep. Uh, you know, I'll take out loans. I just want this opportunity uh, to coach in college. So it's, and this is, this is middle of May. Uh, they want me down there in about three weeks. And so I, I make that call. Um, they feel comfortable. They say, yes, let's do it. I have to quickly enroll at Ohio U um, in their athletic administration program. So um end up going there for two years and then I moved down there and it's uh, that's kind of where my my college coaching journey started. And I was the GA down there, GA slash video coordinator down there uh, for two seasons uh, working for Coach Les. And that was such an amazing opportunity. Uh, I still talk to some of those guys down there because uh, it's, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the coaching circle is is 
so so tight, um, but also kind of big at the same time. Um, and so once you meet somebody, it's no, you know, they're like only one degree of separation from any other coach in the country, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of cool. Um, so moved down there, loved it, had had some success our second year. Uh, ended up winning the Big West regular season championship, which was awesome, awesome experience. Um, but finished up my master's degree at Ohio U uh, and needed to go try to make some money. And when, when any, anybody who's listening knows making money at college coaching, uh, <laughs> unless you're a head coach or, or top assistant, <laughs> yes, it is impossible. Um, ended up moving to Central Michigan, where I uh, was the video coordinator there. Uh, made $1,000 a month for eight, hey. eight months. So <laughs> made just <laughs> enough to, uh, to eat and, and pay rent. But, you know, it, it was it was a step up. And if you're trying to, to grind in that profession, you just got to keep making slow steps up. Uh, got to work for Keno Davis there. Uh, Keno is a fantastic man. Such a nice guy. Um, learned a lot basketball wise um, and was there for a year. It was a good time. Uh, we were we were good, kind of underachieved. But, uh, you know, Michigan's a long way away. I'm. I'm from Oregon, uh, especially coming from California, where I was in January wearing shorts and a, and a <laughs> light hoodie. Um, moving to Michigan, it started snowing in October and didn't stop snowing until like March. So I was, I was cold. I was missing my friends and family. Um, and so I decided to try to move back closer to home. And the opportunity presented itself to take an assistant job at Whitman College. Uh, and I knew of Whitman because we played them uh, in baseball. Mm-hmm. I knew they were... Uh, division three in the Northwest conference. Uh, and I thought, yeah, you know, Washington's close. So let's, let's do it. And so flew out there, met the coach. That was an awesome, awesome opportunity. Uh, wasn't super familiar with the program. I knew that they were, they did well the year before. Uh, but that's kind of all I knew, uh, beginning there, they returned everybody, but maybe one from the previous year. Uh, I, I can say I don't think I've worked harder in my life at coaching than I did there. Uh, and it was, I played a very small role in the success that team had. Uh, the coaches there before that, the players there before that, the, the players that came before that are the ones that built up that program and that culture from one of the worst in the country to we were 31 and one that year. Uh, we were number one team in the country. Um, probably should have won a national championship that year. Uh, so it was just kind of cool to see, uh, you know, not just the X's and O's, um, but kind of what it takes culture wise, uh, leadership wise from the players to elevate a program from good to great. And so a lot of the leadership pieces, a lot of the, um, small things we talk about in practice, uh, those are our pieces that, I got from Whitman. I got from Coach Bridgeland uh, and Coach Airy there, and so that was a that was an amazing opportunity. It was such a fun run, um, but you know, wasn't making a lot of money. It was just the grind was a lot, and so that's when I decided to uh, move back to Oregon. I got into uh, teaching. I was an IA and got into coaching. I was the head JV coach at Sprague uh, for four years. Well, I was an IA, got my got my teaching license in SPED. I was teaching at North Salem for uh, two years in SPED and the JV coach at Sprague. 
until last May when this job opened up. I applied for it, didn't know what to expect. My, my goal was just to get an interview. Um, I had interviewed two other times for, for head jobs uh, and got passed up on both of them. And so my job, my, my goal was just to get interviewed. Um, and then, you know, just one thing led to another. And I got the call that, that they wanted me to go start that program uh, from the ground up. And it was, you know, it was a very humbling experience. I, even to this day, I still doubt if I hold the, hold the qualifications um, to take on such a responsibility. But uh, couldn't have asked for a better group of kids to start this with. Um, all 14 kids on our roster, on our varsity roster are just awesome. Um, they're the type of kids you say, you know, if, if we lived in another state or we went on vacation and they need a place to go for Thanksgiving, right. I, I would without a doubt be like, all right, guys, come to my family's place for Thanksgiving, um, because they're just awesome kids. Uh, and it, it makes it a lot easier for, for this journey, I guess. Well, that's really well put. I appreciate you going through all that, but you missed a couple of really key parts Uh-oh. that I think we need to go back. One was uh, one of your earliest forays into coaching uh, would have been in about maybe 2009, I think. Do you remember, <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you remember what that foray into coaching was like? Yeah, that was, that was our first coaching gig together. That was, <laughs> we were coaching eighth grade federal baseball in Forest Grove. <laughs> oh, man. I have a lot of good memories from that team. Uh, a few that I can't share because of some of the things the parents did, but uh, it, was a, it was a good time. It was my first time coaching, and I remember we coached together and uh, got to be with some interesting people and, and some good experiences. The second thing you missed was, um, I don't know how this has, has left your memory, uh, maybe because it's such a I don't know, difficult thing to process still, but we had met, obviously, freshman year, and uh, – you know, played on the, the Pacific baseball team together. And then that, that next summer, then we, yeah. you know, now that we knew each other, um, we played against each other for different, you know, Legion baseball teams. And you were pitching in relief or something. And, uh, you know, I was at the plate and I just crushed and I just crushed the line drive uh, into center field, <laughs> probably, probably a hundred plus miles an hour. And uh, uh, I don't know, I, I could see why you, you forgot to mention that. I threw a beautiful change up, my low three quarter delivery, nice little <laughs> circle change, and he just threw the bat head out there. <laughs> just kind of, you know, I don't think it was still in the air when it went over second base. I think it hit right before that and trickled on in. Uh, I do remember you laying down a bunt because you were scared to swing. You called a sacrifice. I called it out. So, <laughs> no. no. Uh, that's probably why I don't like to sack bunt very much because my coach made me sack bunt against you. And I'm like, of all the people in the world, you're making me bunt against this guy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I, you know I, I, I do remember that. And looking over you getting that hit, looking over you just cracking up. Gosh, and I'm pretty sure I couldn't refocus and give another hit after that. But it was... <clears throat> How fun is Legion ball though? I, it's, you know, well, that's one I, of the, yeah, not to get super off track, but that's one of the sad things that has happening right now. I don't know how in tune you are to the baseball scene now, since you're so focused on basketball, but um, Legion baseball is uh, in most of the country. It's, it's dying or dead. And here in Oregon, it's, it's definitely, definitely dying. It's really sad. Cause those are some of my like absolute best memories of any baseball was, was playing summer baseball on the Legion team. 
Yeah. I mean, summer baseball in general is just a great time. Uh, you know, the double headers, the beautiful weather, you know, it gets dark at like nine o'clock. But yeah, Legion baseball, where you get to play from like in Albany, we had uh, West Albany, South Albany, Sweet Home, uh, Lebanon, uh, St. Am Christian. We had like six feeder schools. So you got to you played against these guys in the spring and then during the summer you'd get to play with them. And then that was fantastic. And then you'd go to college and come back. And that, that year after college was, oh, yeah. was even better. I mean, it was, that's too bad. I, I hate to hear that it's, that's dying out like that. Cause it's an incredible opportunity. Uh, yeah, man, it was, it, was a, it was a blast. And there's, it's so many kids now don't get to do that. There's all these different travel teams for better or worse, but yeah, the, the, the play with the, the guys you played against, it's just, it's really unique and it was really fun. And it's sad that a lot of kids now um, don't get to get into that. Um, so you, I mean, obviously we could go into a lot of different directions. Um, you, you know, you, you went to college and, uh, tried the, the college Avenue and the route that so many, so many people, uh, either figure out once they're doing it or they, you know, like when Brandy asks me, like, why don't you want to like coach in college? And I'm like, well, you don't understand. Like there's, <laughs> it's not like, it's not like you just go and now I'm making 80 G's, you know, being the hitting coach for Willamette. Like the, it's just, it's so when you when you made that decision to leave the college game, it, was it mostly the idea of coming home? Was it mostly the money situation, the comfortability? Like what what brought you to that point? Because obviously, just listening to you talk, like people are going to be like, "Wow, this guy was super dedicated to coaching in college." Like I don't know how many of us sit down and write you know eighty letters back to back and just over and over again and have that level of persistency, and then to get there and then to to eventually come to the realization to step back. Like what was that like for you? That process. Yeah, it was it was a difficult decision, and I I I can't sit here and say that I don't you know I don't like the word regret uh, because I have this fantastic opportunity. Um, I live in Happy Valley with my girlfriend, uh, working at this brand new high school, um, so everything happens for a reason. But you know, I feel like there might be some unfinished business at the college level, um, and if the opportunity ever presented itself, it's definitely something I would explore. Um, but I was. And, you know, I was young. Um, I didn't know how to how to say no uh, in terms of a work life balance. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't have a significant other. I was, you know, 20. I started the coaching journey when I was 23, something like that. So I was just it was just me. Um, and I was OK with that. Uh, you know, I was I was making uh, thirteen thousand five hundred dollars plus meals at Whitman. Um, so that was that was actually I could have survived on that for a couple of years. You know, I, at, at central Michigan, a thousand dollars a month for eight months. It's tough to survive on that, but at Whitman <laughs> yeah. meals, um, the place that I rented my room from, he was a friend of the program. So he gave me, uh, a, a great deal on that. So that was definitely something I could have done, but I found myself working, um, especially once we got to mid season, I, I, I found myself leaving the film room at three, 4 AM, um, six days a week. I would, um, you know, I was working 15 hours a day. Did I need to be? I don't know. Probably not. But I was so scared to get things wrong, especially with the scout, uh, that I just, I overworked myself. Um, I lost a lot of weight because I wasn't eating. I'm pretty sure I was developing an ulcer because um, I had pains in my stomach. Um, and so my physical and mental health was was not good. Um, I, I'm proud to say, though, I was 16-0 and 0 on my scouts that year. Uh, now probably I, I could have given those boys, you know, a smiley face on a piece of paper and they probably still would have won. Um, cause they were just, 
they were something else. That team was was absolutely amazing. Um, they loved each other beyond, you know, just teammates. They were they truly were brothers outside of uh, outside of the gym. Um, but yeah, I was just working working so much. Um, but the big thing was, I was there for a year. Um, the head coach had been there for he'd been there for about eight years, and the top assistant he had been there with him for eight years as well. And when I say they were one of the worst in the country, they were one of the worst teams in the country. Uh, he told me a story one time. He told a kid to go, to go like, hey, you're going in the game. He took off his, his warm-up top and just ran into the game. Um, mm. You know, he didn't, he didn't go check into the table. He just, and they had to grab him and be like, no, 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 you have to, like, they were, they were bad. But he built that program up uh, to, we were the number one team in the country. We were 31-0 and going into the Final Four. Um, but that top assistant, he, he, it took him another three years after I left before he could get a head coaching job, but he, he wasn't really getting any sniffs at, at D3 jobs in the Northwest. And so I thought to myself, like, it's already competitive. It is, it is such a grind. And if this guy who built, helped build this program from one of the worst in the country to a perennial powerhouse national title contender can't even get, you know, an interview for a D3 job in this conference, like how much longer do I have to grind this for? Mm. Um, and so that, that was the, that was kind of the realization. Um, like, whew, do I want to keep doing this? And, you know, I, maybe I couldn't went somewhere else. Um, couldn't went been an ops guy somewhere, uh, made some better money, able to try to get a, a life back, you know, find a partner, all that. But, um, I wanted to coach and seeing that I was just, that, that was tough. Um, and I think that was the, kind of the big factor was just seeing him and knowing that, that it's such a grind on the, on the men's side for college basketball. It is a grind to try to get to, to the top. Well, we think, you know, that you, you talked about the no regrets thing and how maybe it all happens for a reason and the way it all lines up. And like, obviously you're immensely happy. You, you know, you and Natalie are awesome together and you've, you've got this great opportunity now at Nelson. And so, you know, you, you never know what the path will take you to, but the path so far seems to have led you to a spot right now that's really awesome. So let's kind of get into that, not not ignoring any other high school times you spent, but one of them was Sprague and they're our baseball arch rivals, so we don't need to talk too much about them. <laughs> so let's just skip to the part where <laughs> you're uh, essentially you're, you're, you're hired for the, the Nelson job. The job is yours now, and it's unique because, of course, it is the uh, – it's a brand new high school, so they, you know, they don't have – there's no tradition. There's no history. You know, you talked about earlier the, you know, rebuilding a program that had been, like you said, one of the worst, you know, in the country. And so you're starting from a different standpoint of like starting from total scratch. Like there is nothing. You're the head coach. Now what? So when you kind of sat down and it, it kind of sunk in that you're the head coach and you've got to build this program from nothing, what were some of the like first things you had to figure out what to do about? That's a great question. Um, I, I I just started making lists of um, things that I had done in my previous stops. Because um, when I thought about it like that, it wasn't as overwhelming. Because um, if you think about having nothing and having to build it all, it's, it's you know, it can be kind of anxiety inducing. 
But I remembered, you know, social media or fundraising or equipment, um, things like that. I I had had my hand in at other places. Um, And so it was just kind of trying to realize and recognize what I needed to do. Um, and also reach out to resources. You know, I know I reached out to you a couple times for, uh, for some PowerPoints, for some slides, um, and just reaching out to, to all my basketball coaching buddies and asking them for, for help. Like, uh, you know, Hey, spring's coming up. Should I do something? Uh, you know, what's a good summer tournament? Um, and it was, you know, there's still a lot that I don't know. And I, well, I'm sure I'll know it when I come across it. Um, but it was just taking taking the baby steps of the things that that I had done at other places and seeing how that uh, how I can apply that to this new school. So we're gonna have people listening from New York and Florida and <laughs> God knows where um, who will have no idea uh, about Oregon, let alone Nelson. So can you just kind of give for people an overview of like what level the program's at, um, where exactly it is, and like what the school is like? Yeah. Hey, quick question. Are, are you international? Are we? Uh, there's, it, we've had a few from, I, I, for whatever reason, there's been a, a quite a consistent group of like 20 listens from Germany uh, every Fantastic. episode. So I don't know, whoever you are in Germany, like, hello, <laughs> nice to have you listening. But um, yeah, there's a handful of, of listeners international. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're so old uh, Alan Mack show uh, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe they are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, Nelson is a new school in Happy Valley. Uh, Happy Valley is near Clackamas, which is, I don't know, about 20, 20 minutes from Portland. Uh, Clackamas High School had, man, I don't even know, 2,200, uh, 2,300 kids. And so they split that school in half. Um, not sure what the boundaries were. Uh, I was told that seniors, if they were incoming senior, they had the option to stay at Clackamas or come over to the new school. Um, which I totally understand, you know, if I was in high school and there was a new school as a senior, I wouldn't want to leave either. Um, yeah. So only about 75, 75 seniors came over to Nelson. Um, but freshmen, sophomores, and juniors uh, were required to come over. So uh, right now we have about, man, I don't know, 1,100 kids, I would say. Um Happy Valley is a booming area. They are, they just started construction on apartments next to the school. Uh, they're putting in about another 400 units on the north side of Sunnyside. Uh, the projections are that we are going to um, outgrow our current school in five years. Uh, it, it is a booming area. Uh, we're 6A high school, uh, which is the highest classification in Oregon. There was a school that opened up a couple years ago in, in Beaverton called Mountainside, and they were brand new. And they they went the kind of the opposite route of what we did. They went freshmen and sophomores that first year and only played a JV schedule. Uh, when they when the community decided to open up a second high school, the community wanted varsity athletics right away. So we jumped right into varsity athletics uh, at the 6A level. We play in the Mount Hood Conference. Uh, which has some incredible schools. Um, Central Catholic just won the uh, 6A football title uh, two years ago when before COVID they had the, the final eight at the Child Center. Uh, four of those eight teams were from the Mount Hood Conference for basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, very competitive, uh, includes Gresham's in there. So there's four high schools in Gresham. Uh, 
uh, Clackamas, Central Catholic's a private school, um, and Sandy's in there as well. Uh, so it's a very competitive conference, and it's you know it's only going to get more competitive as this section of Oregon keeps expanding. Um, you drive to Gresham, you just as soon as you exit the Happy Valley limits, you're right in Gresham, and there's apartments out there. I mean, it is just there's four high schools out there. Probably going to be a fifth one here in you know the next five years because uh, just it's it's booming out here. For such a new school, it's it's you guys are having a decent amount of success that we'll get into here in a second. But um, you you get a ton of kids, and it's kind of funny because you you know you talk about how a lot of them um, were kind of forced; they didn't really get the choice unless they were senior. Um, so it's not a situation where you're trying to kind of recruit, for lack of a better word, like kids to come to Nelson. Like it was immediately kind of loaded with people, uh, yeah. and so much so that when we were texting back and forth in early November, um, you had at the time this was just I think the weekend before tryouts started for you guys, and you had something like close to 80 kids signed up to yep. try out and almost 30 freshmen. Um, and we kind of joked back and forth about, well, you know, just you know, run them so much and then we'll just, a few of them will just quit because they, <laughs> they're so tired from running. But then there's a little bit of truth to that sometimes in tryouts. But um, what did you do to try to figure out those numbers once tryouts started? Because that's, you know, for a lot of us as coaches, tryouts are, they suck because you have to at some point, you know, look kids in the eyes and tell them, you know, you don't get to play. Uh, but what was that like? Like, how did you figure that out with that many kids? Yeah, so we had... We, I think it was 79, 78, 79, um, on the family ID. Uh, and, you know, I was talking, talking to our AD about that and kind of, you know, that was more than, than the high school across town had. And it was yeah. kind of like, what's the reason for that? And I think part of it was the new program. Uh, you know, at the, at the higher levels, you're kind of restricted to one, maybe two sports. And so with the new high school opening, um, kids who hadn't really played before thought that they, they could come out and play. Um, kids who were, you know, two sport athletes thought they could be three sport athletes. Um, and I think that kind of uh, influenced the numbers a little bit. We had about, we had about 25 freshmen ended up coming out. Uh, and then we had, uh, we didn't have all, all 80, um, about 15, we probably had about 65 for who actually ended up coming out. Um, and it was, it was difficult for sure. Um, we had, and I don't, none of us knew we would have that kind of turnout, uh, the day before, uh, tryouts or maybe even after the first day, my AD emailed me and asked about a JV2 team. Um, cause you know, being able to keep more kids in the program is, is there's pros and cons to it, but, but that first year, uh, if, if a kid wants to come out and they want to, you know, they want to play, they want to, they want to work hard, uh, want to try to keep them in the program. We weren't anticipating the such high numbers. So we didn't have a JV2 coach. We didn't have JV2 uniforms. Um, JV2 practice times would have to be a little weird. So we ended up not doing a JV2 team. I think we're going to try to do one next year just because of, you know, we don't lose anybody. We have our varsity team consists of, uh, 12 juniors, one sophomore, and one freshman. So we're at a backlog. So we need to add a JV2 team. But um, it was difficult. We had to make cuts in two rounds. Um, you know, for all sports, for all for all levels, there's obviously those kids who just like the game, who've kind of played recreationally growing up. So, you know, those kids kind of stand out right away. Uh, we definitely had a few kids self-cut uh, after – after we got them on the line and ran them for, for not hustling. Uh, 
you know, that, that was, that was easy, but to, yeah, to, to look a kid in the eye and, uh, you know, first off, I, I always make the cuts. Um, I, I don't, I don't feel like it should be, um, up to the assistants. You know, I, I would like the assistants there. Um, if they feel like they, they would like to do it, I'm still in the room, uh, during all the cuts. Um, but just thank it. Thank, uh, thank a player for, for giving me their all for those two or three days. Um, and you know, we set the expectations early on that if somebody has the courage to come out and try out and bust their butt for three days, then that deserves and demands respect from everybody in the gym. Um, and I, I didn't hear about or see any, you know, kids teasing anybody for getting cut or anything like that. And, you know, some of the kids even stayed and continued uh, tryouts, you know, after we told them, unfortunately, we couldn't keep them. They still stayed and, and scrimmaged, um, which was kind of cool to see. Um, you know, we try to keep those kids involved off. I, we offered five manager spots uh, to those those some of those kids who got cut. Um, none of them took us up on it, which is kind of unfortunate because it'd be nice to have a couple couple team managers. But um, you know, if, if, if a player has the courage to come out, um, want to do everything we can to try to allow them to be a part of a program, whether it be playing, managing, um, or, you know, even next year, hopefully we can start a JV2 program uh, and keep, you know, another eight to 10 kids. It's the worst part of tryouts. I hate doing it, but likewise, I always do the cuts myself as well, just because I feel like it's, it'd be easy to, it'd be really easy to hide behind an assistant and have them do all of them and me not have to, to worry about it. But I don't think it's necessarily fair for them um, or for the player who obviously put in all that time and effort and who knows how many hours, you know, in the off season and all the time you may have spent dreaming about it and whatnot. And um, reality gets to him. So you end up with, uh, you know, on your varsity team, you ended up with 14 players. You mentioned 12 of them are juniors. So obviously, you, like you said, you have that backlog. Um, what are your kind of as you look to this season? Obviously, you guys have at the time we're recording this, you're six and two. So you're not off to a bad start at all. Um, what are kind of your expectations for this first year? What are the things that you want to have accomplished as a team in year one uh, of the Nelson High School program? <sighs> I think just learning to compete at the varsity level. Uh, out of the fourteen, out of the fourteen guys we have on our varsity roster, only two of them had varsity experience, and it was very minimal. Uh, they all came from Clack, and the varsity team at Clackamas last year was like fourteen and two. Uh, they were senior heavy, so uh, those two guys last year were sophomores. They didn't play a lot of varsity minutes, um, so just learning to compete at the speed and physicality of the varsity level. Uh, was priority number one. And, um, you know, we talk about, about the preparation. Uh, we don't base our, our success for uh, a practice, a success for a game on, on a wins or losses. Um, Cause that's just not something we can control. Um, just like a shot, you might have, you might have the best shot in the world, but it might not go in. So if you, if you base your success on a shot on a make or a miss, then you're kind of missing the point. So the only expectation that we had in practice and games was to compete. I didn't care if they turned it over. I don't care if they missed a hundred shots. All they had to do was compete. And that's the only thing we held them accountable for in practice. If they, and the leadership things, um, you know, communicating point to passes, tight huddles, um, you know, being a good teammate, we held them accountable for that and then competing. Um, and, I will say that there, I've, there's been a noticeable jump in from 
the first practice to uh, to where we are today in in those aspects. And so now we can start to focus on the execution part of it. Um, because if you compete your butt off, you're going to be in you're going to be in every single game. And so then to take that step to have have give yourself an opportunity at the end of the game to be successful, uh, you need to be able to execute. And so now we can start holding them accountable to the execution things. Okay, you bust your butt on defense, but now you can't turn it over. Okay, uh, you know you bust your butt on defense, but you shoot a bad shot uh, because you have two guys on you. All right, so now we can start to define what a bad shot looks like. Before it was like, okay, you got to stop. You ran down the court. You threw up a shot. Okay, whatever. Okay, because we got the stop on the defensive end. We busted our butt defensively. So now we can start to define what what does a good shot look like. What does a good offensive possession look like? Um, and so that's been kind of fun to be able to see the growth now offensively. Uh, we're starting to get some great ball movement. We're starting to get some good player movement uh, and starting to see some unselfish play from these guys. Um, and so it's nice. It's It was tough for me uh, to to start. I write myself little notes on my, on my practice plans uh, just to remind myself uh, that this is a process. Um, you know, Rome... Rome wasn't built in a day or a year or even five years. It took it took a minute to build Rome. Um, and that's something I have to constantly remind myself that we need to do everything we can in the day to compete. Um, and we'll, we'll get a, a little bit better every day. And from there, obviously, like you mentioned earlier, especially talking about Whitman, like building culture, building leadership. You talk a little bit about the leadership side there. Um, and the, the leadership and competing obviously ends up being a huge part of the culture too. So it kind of all comes together. And then it is funny and kind of antithetical because a lot of times in sports, you think that winning is what you're focused on doing. And if you focus a lot on winning, you end up losing more. And if you don't focus on winning, ironically, end up winning more because you're you're focused on the little things that help you to win. So you talk about controlling the controllables and things like that. So when you're looking at building the culture and building the family, and especially in basketball, where it's, it has to be a really tight knit group to work. Um, you know, you talked about team dinners with Whitman and, and I'm sure that sort of thing will carry on with Nelson. What types of things do you try to build in, whether it's practice or off the court stuff to try to get this group of guys together to like love each other? Yeah. And love is the word, um, you know, I've been very, very fortunate. Uh, and I've played, I've played a very small role in all the, all the stops I've made. Um, but I've been very fortunate in my career to have been a part of championships, whether it be a state championship, um, a division one conference championship, you know, a division three regional champ, been very, very fortunate to have been a part of that. Um, and I tell, I tell our teams, the difference between the teams that win those and the teams that don't is the guys don't just like each other. They love each other, um, to, to a level where, you know, they're, they're your brother. Um, and so that's kind of the, the levels that we want them to get at. Um, you know, we have, we have family dinners before, uh, if we have a Friday or Saturday home game, we'll have, we'll have a family dinner. Each program will have one at a, at a player's house. Um, so we had parents sign up for that, which was awesome. We had our first annual, and this was a, this was an idea from one of our moms, our first annual, uh, all program breakfast. And so, you know, servanthood leadership is, is something that I learned at, at central high school. Um, how can, how can I serve my assistants? How can we serve our program? Um, we're there to serve them. Uh, and so, you know, that whole thing, is kind of my philosophy as a coach. And so 
uh, one of the moms reached out to me and said, hey, let's do an all-program breakfast. Uh, the, the varsity team will bring the food, they'll cook the food, and then they'll serve it to the JV and freshmen. I was like, that, that's such a cool idea. Um, and so it was before we played at the Moda Center, uh, one, of the, one of the families had the entire program to their house. Uh, all the varsity guys brought the stuff over. I got cool pictures of them in, in aprons, making pancakes, waffles. Um, and, you know, they just hung out, watched basketball. Uh, things like that, which I thought was was super cool. Um, and so that's kind of the things we do outside. Inside of practice, uh, we have our leadership. We have our emphasis for the day offensively, defensively, and in leadership. Um, you know, point to pass, giving credit to your teammate for making a good pass. Um, tight huddles. So not just huddling, but putting your arm around each other um, during, during a dead ball or a timeout. Uh, we end practice with the circle of affirmation, which is we get around the circle um, and we hold hands and then we go through and we, we shout out somebody who did well at practice. Um, you know, it might be they it might be a scout team guy who absolutely took it to the first team. Uh, you know, it might be coach for taking it to uh, taking it to one of the position groups. Um, but being able to shout out your teammates uh, and then they, they, they run around the circle, give high fives and things like that. And that seems to be, seems to be, uh, a popular thing amongst our guys. And that was something I took from Whitman, um, was the circle of affirmation. Do you steal, uh, or not steal, do you do any of that during like games? Are you tracking or like you mentioned earlier, like having a manager would be really nice. Do you track that stuff during games and, and tally it? Or do you make mental notes of it so you can come back to it to talk about it at practice afterwards too? Or is this only like during practice that the focus is on it? Right now it's at practice. Um, I will, I point to pass is always something I'm, I'm, observing so if i see a great pass and then like i watch them whoever just made the basket for a half a second during the game i'll yell at them hey point point to pass your teammate um you know if somebody dives on the floor i will look at the bench first to make sure that everybody's up um so there's little things like that uh the tight huddles is is something that i would like to uh to track uh you know somebody went back and and statted uh steve nash's high fives and which which is an insane insane project to do to watch all the games and, and to figure out how many high fives he had but he had i i don't know what the number was close to 100 high fives a game um and you know they talk about him always being the greatest teammate and you know his teams are always successful it's because that stuff matters um and so i'd like to get to a point where we could you know break it down hey you guys tight huddled this many times hey you guys had a point of touch contact this many times and here's the, here's the results um because that stuff matters and uh, once you go from, oh, they're just my teammate to, oh, this is my brother, then, then the execution pieces become a little easier Then the, um, you know, you play a little harder. You don't, you don't want to let that guy down. Uh, if that's your brother sitting over there. And then the, the, the second part of that is obviously when you get on the court and you start playing games, um, to, you know, kind of going back to the idea of having 14 players, um, how do you go about trying to find opportunities for, you know, 14 players on one team? Like that's, you know, in, in a sport like baseball, like, you know, that'd be, 
I, we, I could easily get 14 guys in a game and we'd be fine. I could make everybody kind of be happy, get at bats and things like that and, and relief pitchers and whatnot. Um, in basketball, you can only have five guys. So uh, how do you try to build in that um, that opportunity for kids when you have 14 players playing on a team? Uh, it's a brand new school, obviously. Uh, many of them, you know, all, pretty much all of them, right, came from another school to this school. So you have this kind of added idea into the background. Uh, and so um, what do you do to try to find playing time when you have that many kids? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I first... You have to be super transparent uh, with each player. So as soon as, you know, we were starting to work out in and doing open gyms last spring. Um, I was driving up from Salem and we were doing open gyms during spring and summer. So I kind of had a good feel of where each of these each of these players were at. Um, but being just super transparent with them about, hey, this is where I see you. You know, you're on scout team and probably going to be on scout team. Uh, but this is what I need from you. Um, and then holding them accountable. Uh, part of that culture piece and part of that being successful piece is ha having guys being able to buy into their role um, because it is tough, you know, to be a junior uh, playing varsity. And if, you know, if you're on scout team, that's, that's tough. You want to get in, you want to, you know, you want to get your picture on, on the Instagrams. Uh, you want to get shouted out in the paper, but you know, like I said, there's, there's one ball and there's five guys. Uh, and so it's, it's being transparent with them and, and letting them know, where they're at and what they need to do. And then when you see them do those little things in practice, you shut them out. You give them those opportunities in practice um, to be successful. And then the second piece is, you know, we need to make sure everybody's going in the right direction. And we have, we have one goal as a team and that's compete for a chance uh, to go to the child center. So, you know, that trumps all. It doesn't matter who scores. It doesn't matter who plays. It doesn't matter anything else it's we want at the end of the year to have an opportunity to compete for a chance to go to the state tournament um and so we drive home that point from from practice one and if we see things that that are hurting the program uh and for that goal then that's addressed and you know we've been lucky this first year to have great kids who have accepted their roles and accepted this team goal and, you know, moving forward, it's players who don't accept those two things won't be part of our program. And it's, you know, it's pretty easy to just get rid of them early and then you don't have to worry about that. But um, it's just, it's being transparent and then putting the team goal above all. And then if you got, a, if you got, if you're up eight in the second quarter to sneak your ninth guy in for 30 seconds, then, then you do it um, because you know, they're, you know, that they're ready because, you, you know, you don't not coach the ninth through 14th guy. You're going to need them. You want them. You, they had the courage to not only come and try out, but they had the courage to, to stay on when they've been told like, Hey, you're going to be a scout team guy. So you try to reward that any, any way you can, but they know that at the end of the day, we have, we have one goal as a team and that's, that's to be playing at the beginning of March. And the Child Center, for those listening, is where we get to do our uh, – well, not our. I don't coach basketball. Where the, the basketball kind of state championships are held and um, kind of a cool opportunity for kids to have that one goal. Uh, for baseball, it's, it's Volcano Stadium, and uh, it's it's kind of fun to have that as a goal. Obviously, you get to like the college ranks and, and different college programs have a similar kind of idea behind them. And um, having one goal obviously helps, especially with, with – not with today's kid, but just with today's society, because we're so, 
I mean, you see it on social media. We're so self-involved in a lot of different ways and um, kind of helping helping young people understand that uh, you can put your own kind of selfishness um, away for a minute and and just be really focused on the team and to be able to cheer for, you know, players on your team who are playing ahead of you and to be genuine about it and to truly love them. Like it's a really important skill for them to have. It is. And it's a hard one. It's a hard one to teach if you, you know, as a freshman, we can, we can groom that and we can practice that and we can instill that. But as when you're getting them for the first time, right, it's, it's a little more difficult. Uh, And we've only had one, we've had one time this year where I had to uh, really lay into a kid and it was at halftime of a game. Um, And then, you know, since then he's been great. He's, I got reports from the coaches, his attitude changed at halftime. And then, you know, he's been great since then. Um, but you, you can't let it slide. And I, you know, <laughs> I ripped him doing pretty good. And I'm not afraid to do that. Um, because, you know, I'm, I, I've said this a couple of times. I take very, very little credit or I, I didn't, I had very little to do with the success of the programs that I've been at. But I was a student of the game. I was a servant for those programs. And I just, I learned, I watched, I took notes, I, all the places I've been at and been fortunate to see what it takes. And so I can come back and say, you know, we need this from you. We need this from us because this, because I was able to do this at the D1 level. You know, I don't like to do that a lot. I don't like to, I don't like to talk about my past experiences, um, but sometimes, sometimes it needs to be done um, because guys just need to know why, why you're asking them to do that. Uh, and, and I think that's, I think that's a fair for them to sometimes need to ask why. You took a lot of time off social media and it was uh, always funny because if I ever texted you about something like you had no idea about it, uh, if it was like something I posted on Facebook or you know, a picture <laughs> or, or whatever it might be. Um, and so now, you know, obviously having to coach um, a basketball team in today's age at the high school level, um, it means a lot for kids and for families to be able to, it's like, it was probably like this when you played at Albany, like you the newspaper probably actually like posted some really awesome stuff and it was constant. And um, that's kind of gone away for a lot of newspapers, especially here in Oregon locally that just doesn't really exist anymore. And not a lot of families subscribe to the paper anyway. And so the social media has kind of replaced that role for a lot of them. And it's really cool. Like you mentioned earlier, like having, you know, seeing a picture of my son wearing an apron, you know, serving pancakes, like that'd be really cool for me to see. Right. And so um, social media is a huge part of, of today's high school sports world. And I think it's a, a net good thing, but um, as you kind of kind of dove back into social media, um, what, what kind of different ways are you using it for um, the Nelson basketball program? Yeah. And I've had to be very careful of how I have dove back in. Uh, I got rid of all my personals, uh, cause it, it wasn't good for my, for my mental health. Um, and so I had to just, I had to just cut, cut out my Instagram, my Twitters. Um, and I, I couldn't have been happier for that. Now our team stuff is, you know, you look at our team Twitter feed, it's just all basketball stuff, which is awesome. Um, I see, you know, every third one, I see a breakdown of a play. And so I'm like, Oh, how can I apply that to our power set? Um, I see some leadership pieces. I'm like, 
oh, how can we apply that to things we already have? Uh, Twitter's amazing. Basketball Twitter's amazing. Uh, and I've spent, I spend too much time on it probably. Um, but at least it's not, you know, negatively affecting my, my mental health. Um, I've, I've learned that most of our guys aren't on Twitter. They're mostly on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Twitter's trying to get them, them exposure. Uh, you know, we hired a guy to come in against Glencoe and he's coming back against Clackamas. Uh, he's a big time SS visual works. He's a, he's a big time, uh, media guy. And so he came in and did a video. Uh, and so we did that for the guys. Uh, there's a student at Nelson who, who has an Instagram account that just takes basketball pictures. And so I've invited them to come to practice, um, come to games, you know, give them a, give them a t-shirt and they'll come take free picks, which is awesome. Uh, so just try to get them picks. You know, they, they like to post stuff. They always like to comment on each other's stuff, which I, I find funny, but, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the brotherhood we, we talk about. One guy posts a picture and then the other one, one guy will put the fire emoji. One guy will put the eyes emoji. One will put a heart emoji, like all different ones. I'm like, you know, that's new to me. Not something that we would have done when we were in high school, but, uh, you know, they support, they support each other through that. And that's kind of, kind of the way they do it. Uh, kind of last question I want to ask you really is um, more of like a long-term vision question because it is really unique. Um, there's There are very few coaches, um, especially anymore, who get to be the first coach in a program's history. Um, it doesn't happen all that often, and the vast majority of coaches uh, will never experience that or know what that's like or, or even understand half the things that you deal with. Um, and so just from a vision standpoint, you know, five years down the road, maybe 10 years down the road, um, what would you want people when they hear like the Nelson men's basketball, like program name come up or they see it come up, what types of things do you want them to think or be saying or kind of vision, um, about that program when they, when they see or hear it? Great. Fantastic question. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, man, you know, it's, it's hard for me to, to think personally, um, five years down the road, 10 years down the road. Uh, you know, I, I love the saying, be where your feet are. Um, you know, we have practice today at seven, uh, first day back. So that's kind of where my, my thoughts are at now. Um, but as a coach, you kind of want to get your program to be kind of self-sustaining where you have built, you've built a machine where you have, and you know, there's, there's two, two programs that come to mind, Silverton and, um, Wilsonville. Those two programs are just absolute machines. Um, the kids come in, they, you know, they run the stuff, they, they work hard. They, it's, it's kind of self-sustaining. Um, and so that's for the basketball piece. That's kind of, would kind of be my vision. Uh, we, we work enough with the youth programs. Uh, we, we work enough with our, our, our freshman team, our, our JV team that it kind of just, it runs itself. Um, but I want guys who want to come back. I, I have some ideas for some alumni things, some alumni events starting here in a couple of years, um, some dinners, some, you know, maybe a golf tournament. I want them to be involved. Want want the alumni to ha- be proud to go back. Um, you know, I'm proud to say I played basketball at West Albany, uh, played for Dean Roberts. And that's something that I want, I want our guys to have. We're proud to be a Nelson Hawk. Um, and I want, I want these guys to go on and, uh, you know, our second pillar, um, our second objective, our program objective is to, to get our guys to where they want to be. 
um, after high school. So do they want to go be a college basketball player? Do they want to go be a college baseball player? Do they want to go to seminary school? Do they want to join the military? Whatever they want to do, it is our it is our duty to help them get there. And so I want those guys to know and come out and come back and say, hey, these guys did everything they could to to set me up for success after high school. Um, and then come back and, and talk and mentor the younger generations. Uh, when you have a strong alumni base, uh, it means you're doing something right in current time. Well said, my man. Uh, Eddie, I love you. Uh, make sure you I, say hi I to Natalie you. for me. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, it just uh, it's fun because um, you, you and I, we get to talk all the time and, and text all the time. And we're in the same you know fantasy football group of nine morons <laughs> who, <laughs> who just have a lot of weird rules and things that we have yeah. to do. And, and, and uh, it, it's it's a lot of really fun stuff. And, um, you know, obviously being an, an hour apart, we, and we don't get to see each other as much as I'd like, but I just uh, really enjoyed getting to hear this side of you because I don't think you and I have really ever like talked coaching before, which is really funny and ironic. We've just gotten to have a fun, <laughs> loving relationship with each other. And um, so this is fun for me. And uh, I appreciate you being willing to do it because I know it's a little bit out of your comfort zone. You know, you mentioned not really wanting to talk all that much unless you really know people, but uh, it feels full circle because we got to come back after starting the Alan Mack show featuring Dan back in our Pacific university days, some, you know, 13 years ago. So, um, thank you for doing it. Thank you for agreeing to do it. Um, and just, I love you and, uh, appreciate you. I love you, Jess. And thanks for having me on. And, uh, I will say, I know we don't get to talk coaching much, but I, I do observe. Um, and this is some, last thing. I'll be quick. I promise. This was, this was right when you got the South Salem job. I don't know if you remember this, uh, I knew, I knew you were going to be great because of the, the extra details you were going to uh, outside of, you know, just the traditional practice and things. And I posted on Twitter. I said, uh, I said, they better watch out because Jess is building something at South Salem. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you thought I was kidding or if I was being serious, uh, but I was being dead serious. Uh, I've watched from afar and, uh, you know, the leadership pieces, the, the, building of the culture pieces you know obviously my x's and o's are different than your x's and o's so we, <laughs> we can't, can't really you know talk about that but you know the lift when you climb like i i love that and the more when you're in a, a head coaching role you understand what that means and so you know i've watched from afar and i've watched you build that and i knew it was going to be great and i know it's going to continue to be great and you know i know we've talked about what you want down down the line but mr bailey rex will love to play for uh, play for dad someday. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that very much, especially coming from you. Uh, go Nelson. And, uh, you know, good luck to you guys as you start into practices and, and dive into uh, conference play coming up here real quick. And, and what we talked about is probably the, the toughest conference in the state of Oregon. So uh, good luck to you guys and, and uh, have a happy new year. And I'm sure I'll, I'll text you in a few minutes. All right. Love you, Jess. <laughs> All right. See ya. I love him to death, and now I'm sure you can see why. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter, or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and hit that subscribe button wherever you're tuning in from. 
Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode, and of course you did, or any previous episode, please share this on social media to your followers, via email to your fellow coaches, or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more people and a few more listeners who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Uncle Eddie for jumping on the call with me today. And thanks again to Netting Pros and Driveline Plus for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.